Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Service Monster Podcast. I am your host, Joe Kowalski. Today, we're going to do a deep dive into the Kanban board, multi-touch sales process, but some other ways you might be able to leverage that for your business flows as well, as well as some upcoming Kanban updates where we're going to be adding Kanban to some other areas. But before we do that, let's take care of some housekeeping. Adam, what do we got this week? So we are going to have a release next week, so I'm not going to go fully into it, but I wanted to mention two things to get kind of people excited about it, because one of these has been mentioned in Smug a lot. Right. Um, and that's the HTML issue for the payment link. Um, in mobile, it's showing the whole, you know, the HTML reference. and rather Foreign than, text. Yep. And so that's, that's fixed in the upcoming release, um, and they'll chat about it more next week on the show, but uh, on the podcast but uh yeah that's that's a big one that's going to be out um the other one is batch updating jobs is kind of the 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 main new feature that's going to be coming out where you can close out those open work orders in batches or you can make estimates to work orders in batches it has plenty of warning screens like it's not something you can accidentally do unless right. you're really trying to sabotage yourself but um Window cleaners and some of the larger kind of companies we work with, their office staff, I think, are going to be really excited for this because I get this a lot. If you're a window cleaner, you come back with, you know, 100 invoices for that day, or I should say open work orders for that day, and you want to sort through and make sure they're all done, being able to do that all in one kind of batch update, you know, accomplishes that. Right. And there's also some other things coming down the road with the completion wizard and things like that. Right. So. Yep. Ethan completed that. That'll be going into testing here shortly, but it won't make it for next week's build. Right. Yeah. Um, inventory control. Do you know if that's going in? Just to just very briefly touch on that. I don't think it's in the release, so I didn't see it in the in It's notes. big. Yeah. Yeah. And I know Sierra's uh, testing it. Speaking of Sierra, one thing I'd like to bring up, especially to the smug and uh, user community, you guys have gotten kind of used to a nice little pulse. Uh, for a while, we were doing two-week releases. Um, and uh, when we lost Alex, we moved to monthly releases so Sierra could manage the testing better before we were going to get her some help. Um, and we just found out last week that Sierra is leaving us. Um, she found a, a nice gig in uh, adjacent industry that she's excited about. So we were happy to be part of her journey for that a while. And she really helped set us up with some testing platforms and um, general philosophies. I think we'll be around for quite a while. So um, sad to see her go, excited that she's moving on in her journey um, and what we were able to provide for each other when she was here. So it's going to take us a minute to find a good replacement for testing. That means that production releases are going to slow down for a minute. So we're going to get this one out next week before she goes. She's doing some knowledge transfer, um, testing and publishing, which we all know in bits and pieces, but I want to make sure everybody know knows, right, uh, what's going on there. So, and then we put out a job ad today. And so we'll be looking over the next week or two. Again, though, higher slow, right, guys? Got to find the right person. So it might take me a minute. And if that's true, then it's likely that the release after the one next week 
will be delayed for a few weeks. It won't affect the mobile pipeline, interestingly enough. Mobile is a self-contained team, um, and you know I go and bug them, stand in front of their desk, and, <laughs> and bother them uh, a couple times a week. Um, but for the most part, they're fairly well self-contained. So I don't think it's going to affect our mobile timelines, and it should just push one release back what I'm hoping would be end up to be a few weeks. Yep. Um, and we have internal stuff too. It's just going to go slower, right? So we already have people who could do these tasks, but you know, I don't necessarily want to turn my engineers into testers. Right. That's a fast way to piss them off. <laughs> Cause you know, once you're in dev mode, you don't want to go back to testing. It's just not, not a thing. So, so pay attention to that. You know, you'll, you'll see those releases slow down a little bit for the next, let's say quarter. Uh, and then we should be able to move forward from there uh, with new talent. I think to um, just to so if anyone does listen to that and they, they freak out like if something there's like a critical issue or whatnot it's not like we can't still release like little hotfixes it's just gonna slow down that little kind of yeah I mean obviously we've been doing this for 16 years right, right? and Sierra's been with us for maybe three somewhere in that neighborhood I think uh, two two and a half yeah something like that two yeah. yeah. So um, you know can we operate without her Yes Will it be a smooth No That's really what I'm saying. Right, because it's a person dedicated to those builds and managing those releases, kind of keeping the developers on course and making sure they have track. So, I mean, that's stuff that I've been doing for twenty years. So right, it's not a thing. It's just they may write on a track and bang on my door and say, "What do I do, Joe? Go dig for trackers, man." Yep. <laughs> but Adam's going to be helping me with that too, as I just recruited him like ten minutes ago, <laughs> and uh, and and so maybe it won't be too bad. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Yep. <laughs> gotta have chachi do more trainings dude uh, yeah no that's uh that's that's the goal right there um i think uh wanted to bring something up too you said from your last vistage meeting so. yeah and n- not my last vistage meeting but my last vistage meeting i'm not going anymore so i was there for 14 months um if you guys hadn't followed that journey, it's kind of a BNI group, but not. It's not networking for the purpose of networking in leads. Um, and we pay a ridiculous amount, it's like $1,500 a month for the privilege of being part of this group. It's all high end uh, business executives. You know, even with Service Monster just under 3 million, I was a smallish fish in the room. Uh, most of these guys are pushing 20, 30 million dollar businesses. Um, so it was a privilege to hang out with them for a year and kind of, you know, um, have some of those painful conversations as executives or as CEOs, business owners that you wouldn't necessarily have with your employees, things that keep you up at night, right? Is this really a big deal? And, and, um, just the psychology behind it, you know, it gets lonely being a business owner and your peer group, usually in your local area, your friends aren't on that plane. Um, you know, when they go home at night, they're done. <laughs> and it just doesn't exist that way for us. So rubbing shoulders with those guys for the last 14 months has been great. It's taught me a lot. Um, helped me refocus kind of introspectively some things that I've needed to work on. Sometimes I get too excited when I'm in a group of people that are high hitters and I have a tendency to just be like, oh my God, let me melt your brain because I want to extract as much as I can. Uh, and, uh, that's, I'm a little heavy handed sometimes. So that helped refine that general skill. Um, it was worth it. If you guys are thinking about something like that, it's definitely worth it at least for a year, make a commitment to yourself to do it. I'm coming out because 
Most of those guys aren't software companies, and we run a ridiculously complex business. Most of their businesses are fairly straightforward and simple. Um, and the things that we were talking about over and over again are things that this company mastered a long time ago. Process, SOPs, building culture. And, of course, I put master in air quotes, right? Iterative cycles were never done. So we're always improving. We're always making things better. But compared to the restaurant owner or the sheet rock company, even if you're a $30 million sheetrock company, um, it's a pretty simple business model. Hang up sheetrock, bill for sheetrock, make sure you get paid, sell, rinse and repeat, <laughs> right? Now you got logistics and where's the sheetrock going to show up and you can get, those flow charts can get big. Um, but the SaaS company didn't even exist 20 years ago, uh, software as a service and how we produce software and how we support our clients. Uh, what we create, how we publish, how we develop, how we sell, how we market. This is all brand new territory. So I wanted to see if I could find another group or make one. So I started calling Seattle SaaS CEOs. <laughs> hey, can I get like 10 minutes of your time? And so it hasn't been very effective yet, <laughs> but I'm going to keep on it. And I'm just going to bug them until they're like, what kid, what do you want? But I'm hitting up $100 million companies, too, so I don't give a crap. Right. I'll, I'll hit you unrelentlessly for six months just to show you that. Well, I mean, if you put that effort How in. How about today? How about today? When I was How a senior at, uh, at the Western, I did a project on uh, F5 Industries. They're like uh, Cisco um, here locally in Seattle. You know, they were their, – their market share was ridiculous, and I was just doing, you know, a project on it. I reached out to the, the CEO a couple of times and he responded like it was pretty short and sweet. But yeah, I mean, they, right. that's what they're there for. Sometimes you just got to try. right? That's right. And then keep trying and keep trying. And keep, <laughs> like, I'm going to keep doing this until you tell me to go away. So I have had some interesting conversations out of that. But yeah, Vistage was my uh, my last meeting was yesterday. And so you probably won't hear me chatting about that anymore. Well, very nice. So I think with that, we can jump kind of into, into smug here. Um, the first one I wanted to bring up was Mike talking about this, this uh, bug that we were talking about right. last night. And this is kind of one of those incentives to kind of start moving on to six rather than be using a five. And so part of it is the bug is it's clearly tracking something that's in six. But let me describe what's happening here first. So job notifications. The system is built in the six kind of pipeline for these notifications to go out 24 hours, 48 hours before the job, whatever you guys want to have set up there. Text or email. Exactly. If you make the cancellation for the job in six, the whole system kind of shuts down. No must, no fuss. Out. Exactly. If you make the cancellation in five, whoop, whoop. five has no idea that this notification system even really exists. Whoop, whoop. Yep. And so that's where the bug itself is sort of rearing its head. And right. it's, it's really just because it was written for something that was in six. You know, this case just wasn't presented. People using kind of both versions wasn't really, I think. We have of, a tracker in for that, right? We sure do. Right. Because your your um, initial assertion was, hey, guys, stop using five. My assertion, of course, is let's make sure that shit's fixed. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. No, the, the tracker was actually put in a couple of days before that. Right. So. Which is amazing. And then you were able to pop in because I'm like, 
I never heard of this bug before. And you're like, hey, are you using both five and six? Why, yes. Yes, I have one person who still won't get to six. Um, and that's probably the scheduler. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Which so, probably should bring up another smug post. <laughs> yeah, there's – yeah. So um, the kind of segue here maybe isn't the right post. But uh, the next one came from Kimberly. This is about the searching. And uh, I know you yeah. said you kind of wanted to talk about the com- complexities of those queries and uh, whatnot. But she's basically just saying that like, sometimes in the, the global search and so on, it's harder to find the account than it is maybe versus the quick ad or something there. So I really just kind of wanted to bring it to the table here because um, you could kind of explain the differences yeah. and why the queries are built that way. Yeah, it gets, it gets pretty crazy pretty fast. I will first say that it should just work right? The user's expectation should be met. And in some vectors, that's not the case, but they're minor in their exposure, meaning there's not a huge amount of use cases that go wrong, but the ones that do make you kind of confused because they work in some places and not in others. Um, Phone number is a good example. If you enter a raw phone number into the system and you hit save, the system will format it for you. We store both the raw phone number and the formatted phone number, and you can control the formatting in your company settings. Um, We do that for a handful of reasons, but the idea is you should be able to enter in a phone number however you want, and you should be able to find an account based off the phone number. All right, so back in the day, let's say the 90s, early 2000s even, most search algorithms were exact matches. Um, The fuzzy search was more Google looking for articles and stuff. And the way most people addressed in their CRM how to find something by a phone number was just simply typing in the last four digits. And that brought it up regardless if the system was storing raw or format or nothing at all. The way Service Monster 6 works and in a number of places in technician and so on and mobile three and so on and so forth. Um, You type in the phone number, regardless of the format, we strip out the format and then compare that against raw phone number. So it's pretty easy to find your account based off phone number when that algorithm is in place. Okay. Why am I explaining this in such details? Because we have many, many places where search can occur. Very simply, the primary search places consists of the quick ad, the global search, and all grid searches. So every single grid has a search function. Okay. Those three search functions work differently. Let's take the quick ad. The quick ad doesn't have to be an ad record. It can be a find account tool. As you type into the quick ad, first name, last name, phone number, it will do a fuzzy search and handle the address or uh, both the address and the phone number correctly. It'll just pull the street name, right? You don't even have to worry about the, the numbers, street numbers. That'll bring up a, a proposed list of accounts and it attempts to rate them based off how many matches it found. Like email is going to go to the top of the list, right? A direct match against the phone number should go to the top of the list. You enter in Kowalski, you might pull up me and my wife. 
right? The husband and wife team, that makes a lot of sense. That's why that search is fuzzy. If you just click on the account and then click next, it'll just simply take you to the account. So that's how you can use that as a very effective search tool. The global search, which is in the upper right-hand corner, it's a text box that's always visible and you can type whatever you want. That's also a fuzzy search. It will handle addresses and phone numbers and names as you would expect. Now, I would say best practices really are not necessarily trying to enter in like the entire address or the entire last name, comma, first name, right? Those aren't really great approaches. Phone numbers are your go-to. That's your first thing, right? Last name, especially if it's a more unique last name, would be the next thing I would go to if you can't find them. Following that, you're going to be looking up their address. But in this case, you probably want to stick to just the address number and the street name, maybe even just the street name. Because then did you style, file it under DR or drive? Right. And then that could get really complex on the address. So when you're searching for something, you want to use as much unique information as little as possible. I don't know if that translated. Let me try that again. You want to use as little information as possible, but you want that information to be unique. Searching on a last name Kowalski, that's going to work for you, right? Searching on a last name Smith, you, know, you probably should be using the phone number. If phone number works for everybody most of the time, then use that most of the time. But obviously, landlines, cell phone numbers, there's five in a fan. Like, you've got my that phone number isn't in your system. Okay, well, I can't find you that way. So that's the global search and the quick ad. They both work as expected. They're both fuzzy. They both bring up a list of probable results and they're generally ranked um, based off likelihood that they're the thing you're looking for. Those are really simple. Now, we also have grid searches. These do not work the same way. In five, we searched only on the visible columns, but I don't think we carried that to six. I don't think so either. Which that was easy to un it was easy to explain but it was confusing for people like well just because my phone number or email address isn't in your list of accounts i should be able to search my list of accounts using the email or phone number um, and so we extended that i think that they did not account for phone number as part of that raw grid search the way that technology works is it really kind of builds its code as you use it um, so it's really sophisticated in that right, but it's a little more difficult to extend with these more complex searches. We can certainly take a starts with or um, sounds like uh, and look at general columns one by one. Um, but as far as like, let's say, oh, recognizing that it's numeric and stripping out non-numeric fields, like in the case of a phone number, and then comparing that against this hidden raw phone number field. That's not something that grids really understand. And really what we're talking about here is limited phone number. So the use case that we had on Smug was this individual wanted to create a new opportunity and then using that search for the account to plug it into, that brings up what we call a modal dialogue, right? It's a big screen that takes up your uh, screen and won't let you access anything behind it. It's the modalness of it. It forces you to select an account that search on that account screen is a grid search. When she enters in the entire phone number or a formatted phone number, it's hit or miss whether or not that's going to come up. 
So my suggestion would first be just type in the last four digits of the phone number field, and that'll probably work. Also, use the global search, go to the account, and create an opportunity from there, which is going to be my question. Can we do that? Yes. We can create an opportunity from the account. Oh, my gosh. Now I'm sitting here panicked. I know you can make it from the order, and you can view your You can make an opportunity from an order? You sure can. I'm actually going to talk about that later today. What? You better explain that to me because I don't understand the use case there. <laughs> you will after today? Okay. Yes, because we're going to be talking about <laughs> opportunities in Kanban. Um, one, four, two, three, nine. If I go to an account, no, oh, doesn't look like it, ma'am. Nope. You just have to go to the opportunities tab. And then what? And you just hit a new opportunity. Uh-huh. And, and then account. And then you get the grid search instead. No, no, no. It, it, it brings up the opportunity uh, window here. So you can just make it here. Right. But, but you it, have to look up the account. But I'm on the account page. So, like, I just hopped into this random account. And just went to the tab for opportunities. Hit new opportunity. Oh, got you. Yes. Yeah, so that's how you want to do it. So enter in however you search you want in your global search. Jump to the account. And then jump to the opportunities tab and then click new opportunity. That'll be probably a lot faster than trying to hit or miss find your record in the grid if you're having friction for that. Some people don't, right? How they how they use it, it works well for them. What we need to do is simply add the fuzzy search of the phone number and raw phone number to account grids and order searches. That's the tracker. Once we do that, everything should feel like it all works the same, even though they're completely different technology. Um, and, and I think that's really what it comes down to. So, but when you can't find something, it's frustrating. And when you know that they're in there and then you find them a different way, you start to question whether or not the system's really going to, you know, be that robust. So it is extremely, <laughs> this is just one little area that, yes, we have to fix. So, there, there will be no conversation around it. It'll just be like, oh, yeah, I can find my stuff pretty easy. Yeah, and I think, too, like you, you totally touched on it. Um, if all you're doing is trying to look up if an account exists or not, using the quick ad for just the, a quick little like putting in information, it's constantly ranking that, that data. Um, it's looking at each of those fields individually. And then you can just hit go to selected account. You don't have to actually put the order in off of that. So there are a lot of our users who are using that. Right. Obviously, you can't use that for every scenario. No, but it searches your whole database, exactly. right? I mean, accounts, sites, orders, payments, jobs, those are the main records that it's really going to key on. And so the global search is kind of your master search when you just need to find anything. Um, so that should work fairly well. Yep. So the next one, um, I'll give you a break on this one. I'll just kind of uh, explain. I This is kind of a new part of a report here. Chris asked um, about printing tech and admin notes. Uh, he had some things that were in there. Um, I'm not 100% sure if it was for insurance or what the purpose was. Well, the use case was a chargeback. Someone denied their credit card charge, and they wanted to be able to ship the notes as part of the package that we assemble when we dispute a dispute. Yep. Okay. Yep. I see it down here. In the, yep. So what Brenda did was she went in and she modified one of our reports, it's the uh, scheduled printout report. And basically, if you have a note in either the tech or admin notes, it'll actually just show up in that little column now. Say, hey, there's notes here. Do I see notes? And when you click the note, 
opens up a separate page. All the notes are in there. It's dated. Everything is sort of indicated what order was tied to or whatnot. You can print that for anyone who sort of has a dispute or similar scenarios. And you can grab what you need out of there and and move forward. So again, that was the scheduled printout report um, for anyone who needs that scenario. Yeah, which was great because Chris reported on April 22nd and Brenda was able to get that published the two days later on the 24th, which is pretty awesome. Report technology is pretty slick because it allows us to train non-developers like Brenda. She's, I mean, she had to learn how to do some SQL and so forth. So it's not non-tech, but she's just a super bright customer support person and she likes to do this kind of stuff. So we trained her to do it and our platform allows her to make changes like this and just push them up to her report platform without having to wait for a release. So that's one thing that we do in our tech that a lot of our competitors don't really, they don't comprehend that problem yet even. (laughs) All right. So the next one came in from Eric. And I like this one for a couple of reasons. Um, One, Dawn, uh, shout out. I know she listens to the podcast weekly, but Dawn actually jumped in. And uh, yes, hey, Dawn. she actually jumped in and gave them kind of some pointers. So we had that happen a few times this we have, week. Yes, users <laughs> supporting users, man, I love it. Um, so Eric's question was about having multiple emails on on any account, right? And we've definitely talked about contacts per account. Contacts, exactly. And so there's definitely probably some things there that maybe we want to take a look at. But I think a lot of people don't know you can put multiple emails in that field if you separate them by a semicolon. Yeah. And so Don just kind of hopped in and said, hey, you can actually put multiple emails on here. Just put the semicolon and a space between them. And that way, if you want to have your emails autofill that, remove the email addresses you don't want to use. Or it'll just send it to everybody. Or send it to everybody, yes. Right. So if you have 10 emails in there, be a little wary of that. Does that work on all marketing campaigns and everything too? Um, the marketing campaigns are just going to go to, you know what, I'll have to test. I don't yeah. want to tell people one way or the other. Yeah. This is great for, you know, most stuff, pre-fill out forms and whatnot, and you got to go digging around. It'd be interesting to see what happens to David's uh, drip campaign. Yeah. (laughs) That's a really good uh, question. That's why I get paid the big bucks, (laughs) thinking about all those little things that. (laughs) Okay. So ending on that, uh, thank you as always to our smug users for the collaboration. as mentioned earlier, the this week's kind of feature focus is uh, is going to be the Kanban board. Um, multiple things that we can kind of talk about there. You, we, you and Javi just talked about some sales things, which is obviously kind of one of the initial reasons we brought it over. But the first thing I kind of wanted to ask you, or maybe we should first describe what we mean when we say Kanban board, right? For those of our, for those of our users who don't know, and then. What made you use that kind of process? Um, kind of when did it come up in your life to kind of like really hone in on that and have this be kind of how we want to track projects and sales and things like that? Right. So um, first, the area of the app we're talking about is called opportunities. It's in your lead section. If you get an opportunity or if you get a lead, you can graduate it to an opportunity, which will create an account and an opportunity. Or you can simply, like we just stated, go to an account and create an opportunity. An opportunity is like a lead, but through a known account. Where the lead is the person, the opportunity is 
the opportunity that's presented by that person. It's the contract. It's the um, potential invoice. It's the estimate. It's your, hopefully, your close to a sale. Now, you wouldn't use the opportunity pipeline for a simple call, phone call, right? Somebody calls up to get service, um, and you're going to try to close that deal right there, book the job. Opportunity is not needed. It would be a waste of effort. If you have a commercial account that you really want and you're chasing them down and you have three or four or five touches or you're going through a sales process with them that takes multiple points of contact and multiple events before you're able to close the deal, the opportunity pipeline is going to be beautiful for this. So um, we've been using Kanbans in the technical world for decades and it's, you know, the, you'll see it sometimes when we have these columns, you know, these grouping and we've got post-it notes on whiteboards and we're putting things together and we're tracking the progress of these items um, or they're in a queue, you know, waiting for us to move them in and then move them along some process. The Kanban board really helps visualize that process. And there was a company, still is a company, um, that does like a note system. Trello, is that the name of the company? Oh, Twilio uh, is the SMS company, the texting company. Yes. But Trello is the Note Kanban company. Yep. If you guys haven't looked at that, that's kind of a fun little app to play with. You should check that out. But um, it allows you to establish steps in a process and then put items on the board and then you move them through the process. So, Guitar Center is a good example. They've got this sales process, greeting, qualifying, pitch, and close, right? The greeting is just your, hey, how's it going, Adam? How you doing? What brings you in today? Having a nice little conversation. Qualifying, uh, what kind of musician are you? How much money can I extract from you? What is your most likely things that you're going to buy? Do I show you the Les Paul or do I need to show you the Ibanez? Are we going to go upstairs and look at the two-inch reel-to-reels. Um, the pitch, once I understand who you are, the musician type you are and what you're looking for, now I can say, oh, man, you got to check out this Mackie board, right? The mic pre's are awesome, and you're going to really get something out of it. And then your clothes, it's like, dude, just give me your credit card. I can get you 10% off right now if you let me go talk to my manager. <clears throat> That's a pretty quick because you're you know in face-to-face. But that could go uh, as a really well setup for a commercial account. The greeting, I'm going to knock on their door, I'm going to drop off some donuts, and I'm going to uh, send a direct mail card to them. Thank you for seeing me today. And then the qualifying, you know, that more I've gotten conversation to the manager. They're not saying yes, but they're not saying no. And so I've had the conversation. Now I've moved that pr- that particular opportunity along my pipeline and you just do it all the way to you get to close and then it disappears and you've landed the job or you abandoned the opportunity altogether. So that's kind of the system that's in place. Uh, you can use it for more than that because that those use cases are centered around sales, but you can actually hack the Kanban board to create other Kanban process types to move accounts through. And this has really helped with a lot of people who are doing, you know, a lot of multi-touch sales processes. And it's interesting to see how people are hacking the system to, to work projects. And you can talk about that better than I can. So we'll touch on that in a second. But 
we're going to be introducing more Kanban as part of the process flow in other areas. Like I would love an uh, order grid that has a Kanban view based off the order type, right? And maybe it doesn't show completed invoices with a balance of zero. It just shows you here's your estimates in queue. The next column is here. Your, here's your pre-completed orders or orders that are unscheduled. Your next one is orders that are scheduled that haven't been done yet. Your next one is orders that have been scheduled where all the jobs are done. And then this one where it's invoiced, but the balance is not yet zero. And so you can see all those you know, things that are going on in your company at that one moment in time from that one snapshot to make sure nothing hangs out for too long in a space you don't want it. Another area we're going to be adding this to is the new feature set we'll be creating, hopefully by the end of the year. It'll be the last one of three. First one being inventory control, which is in testing. The second one being um, equipment tracking, which is begun development. And the third one is product management or project management. And this allows for more than one day jobs. This is exactly what they need for restoration or HVAC that have multi-day visits or electricians that have multi-day visits. You know, they go there, they have a project or they've got to coordinate with multiple people or they've got subcontractors involved and notifications have to go out and you have to talk to both the homeowner and the insurance companies. And as you move through those steps, things need to trigger, right? Emails need to go out, notifications need to happen. Hey, dude, you're up. Like this much work has been complete. Now it's your turn to come in and, and deal with this, which is interesting because I've just had to deal with this manually on my own, on my own general contractor, bringing in subcontractors, trying to coordinate all this shit. And my head's constantly spinning with, okay, if I was going to use Service Monster as a tool to manage this stuff for me, what do I need? Right. Um, and it's, you know, the, the, the plan that we have already put together years ago is holds up. It's a solid product doesn't have all this crazy stuff on the fringe, but it's got like water logs and, you know, that kind of stuff. But the Kanban is going to be a big part of that. So you can look at your big projects, your restoration projects, your construction projects, your build outs, your projects that include subcontractors, and you can see where those projects are all the way up through, okay, now we're done and now we're doing final invoicing, right? So, um, yeah. So, now, where did it come from? Interesting story. Obviously, we've been using it as an engineering team for years and years and decades. Um, when I started building out part of Service Monster 6 sales process, I went and I started looking at kick-ass sales programs. Obviously, Salesforce was on there, but I think you know we're just better suited for the service industry than them by a billion, plus our cost is much lower. Um, there were other companies, though, that were popping up, which were interesting, like Pipedrive. It's a very low-key, very simple sales tool. Um, and, you know, it doesn't necessarily integrate well with CRMs, but it's just kind of a silo product, right? But they had this Kanban board. And that was the first time outside of Trello I'd seen it. And I went, oh, duh. Yeah, so I basically just stole it from them. <laughs> <laughs> Adam... <laughs> Good engineers borrow, great engineers steal. Oh my goodness! That's right. It's it's very true because, um, like I said, it's the overall kind of process of that. It's been around for a long time, right? And, and they stole it too, right? I'm not right. Yeah, and and I think that uh, really talking. I'm a very visual person. I love seeing kind of you know, progress, and 
some people will deny it, but everyone likes to have those little victories sometimes and really making sure that I have taken some steps forward. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of, a lot of processes to this. And so breaking it down into kind of these smaller hurdles rather than one giant mountain you have to climb for the sale for whatever your opportunity happens to be to be like, Hey, listen, we've looked through the past three months. We've got five stages here, which is what we call the individual sections of the Kanban. We've got five stages. By default, you can configure them. Yeah. We, we found that when we get to stage three, we're on site. We have an amazing sales staff. You know, they've got their ABCs going. They'll always be closing. Um, but they're, they're wonderful. Like, they've got this whole process going. We found that our on-site presence gets us the sale 70% of the time. And so really the goal isn't stage five at that point anymore. Right. The goal is like, listen, if we get our guys on site, we're going to win this 70% of the time. Right. This is the goal. And so you've, you've taken your large mountain, you've come down half the hill, and that, that's, that's now kind of your Giving initial. Giving it to a handoff that statistically is going to outperform you. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And we have a report that's built on this. You can see how long things have been in stage and, and so on. And this is all kind of really focused on the sales. And you mentioned kind of some project stuff. And there have been some use cases that have come out. And this is why I love the Kanban. It's one of my favorite parts of the software. Love talking about it. Love love training it. Love seeing the kind of light bulbs go off. And they're just like, oh, I can I can do something with this. And <laughs> I don't know what yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so a couple of ideas for our listeners that, uh, that get used. The first one is rug cleaning. So you've got mm. rug cleaners who have an in-shop rug cleaning process. You got bays. Yep. And you got stations. Yep. Yep. You got tumblers and you got, yep, now, washing and yeah. Now let's say that you have a rug you've picked up and your standard process is maybe like a week turnaround. Right. Well, what if the customer calls in and they're like, hey, I actually need to pick up my rug a day early. Um, we have this weird flight situation going on. Um, is, will, that be, will that be feasible? Um, and you'd have to go kind of look like, okay, what stage is it in? Can we put a rush on this? Can we move something else around? But you don't necessarily know where all of the rugs are if you don't have some sort of tracking on that. One of the things that a lot of our rug cleaners have done, they create the Kanban board for each of those bays, those stations, and whatever, and every single step of that process, they're moving it through. And this is one of those use cases where oftentimes they will create the opportunity directly from the order. There's another one, too, that I'll get to. So basically, they'll have oh, the order created, yeah. and then they'll be like, oh, we're going to pick up a rug. Okay, so they go and they pick up the rug, and now they can create the opportunity there, um, which pulls it into their rug cleaning board. Right. And they Are can you start prepared to retrain them for when projects comes out? Because that's going to be a much better place to put this. That's fine, yeah. <laughs> I'm totally up for that. Not that, not that you would be forced to change if you find that this uh, the opportunity – Sales Kanban is the best place for you because it works really well. But there's things I want to do like the only thing missing in that use case that you set out is the ability to print out a tag that's scannable that they can clip to the rug right. through their entire process. Yep. Um, and so that's something that we're going to get out of inventory control that will be then able to Lego together and give you guys once that project piece is out. Yep. But other than that, th this will work great for that as long as you can identify physically which 
rug belongs to which order, then you're golden. So how are they? Do you know how they're accomplishing that? Well, that's what I mean. Like you, you start on the order. You have like you know if you're 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 picking up like a Persian rug, right? right? And so you're picking this up for. Is it like a description in the order yep. field? So the, the order with? has a description, gotcha. and then they make the opportunity from there. So if they get two five by seven Persian rugs that have the same print, so as long as they have put information in the description. Then yes, right. So whatever tag system there, because most rug plants have a tagging system already, right? And so if there's a number generated or an alphanumeric generated, they can put that in the reference field in the order. Yep. Because you can search on that. Yep. So then you can find like where the hell I got this loose tag? What's this from? And you just punch it right in the service monster. If you put it in the reference number field on the order number, it'll bring it right up. What some of them have done too is like in the Kanban name, the opportunity name. Once they have those numbers, they'll put it in there too. Mm-hmm. So that way it's in the report. It's on the combo yeah, board. visual from your combo board. Yep. Yeah. That's great. So, And that's a great example of hacking something in Service Monster built in a way that we didn't intend it for uh, that are, lots of people are using it for. Yep. And it's working really well for them. They're quite satisfied with it. So, The other one cool. is a little bit smaller in like, scope, but the offices that use it really like it. And that is when you get a cancellation. And so the way that I always kind of refer to this is, listen, you had your foot in the door. Like you had that sale right there. Emergency came up and maybe there's a flaky person overall. For whatever reason, they're like, oh, I need to reschedule. Um, And then you spend the next, you know, two weeks trying to get a hold of them. You've got all of your notes, but your schedule's kind of, you're trying to move forward and your schedule, maybe you've got things on deck, a whole lot of things there, keeping track of how long they've been there, things like that. So a use case that sort of came up from a couple of our users um, was, okay, well, what if I just go into this order, make the opportunity to have a Kanban board set up just for kind of rescheduling? And mm-hmm. they can either make the board for an individual person. They can call it just the office reschedules or, or so on. And create a process for, for retaining or recapturing yep. that sale. Exactly. That's good. Yeah, no, I really like that. Because yeah. then you can you can drop it and then not necessarily jump right back on them or go through an automated system that's kind of less soulful. Yep. Uh, and, and you can move that process. Maybe you only need three or four stages in that yep. process. But, yeah, no, that's good. I like that and one. And it also, you know, if you're looking at oversight and things like that, you yeah. have obvious notes, obvious history. Like, did you make these three phone calls, these these three points of contact? Was right. that, did that actually happen? Yeah. I mean, I want to do this within our own internal CRM, too, so we can track our training process with these accounts and kind of where they're at. Yep. Yeah. But that's another conversation, that probably another for not the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's just a couple of examples. And I just mentioned there, too, that you can make a Kanban board for a specific person because, you know, people are finding different use cases for this for their own. And so some people do. So let's make a Kanban board for a specific person. And whatever they need in, you know, whatever kind of if they're sales oriented, if they're, you know, schedule oriented, they just use that as For their... a specific employee. Yes. Okay. Not yeah. a specific client. Exactly. Okay. Yep. You scared me for a second. <laughs> no. Unless it was a really large client. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and you did a lot of work for them. Yeah. You could totally do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if any of you are kind of interested in that, like the light bulbs are going off, um, you know, we do talk about that in our training videos. We have um, a couple of them out there. I'll be out next week 
But uh, I'll also be cr- trying to maybe hone in on if we get a lot of volume on that, maybe then we can have kind of like a special video that gets made for some of these use cases. Yeah, make sure you shoot Michael a link to those yeah. helps for the combo so we can get them in the show notes. Always. Awesome. Um, I think really just the last thing I wanted to touch on and then probably call it a solid day is one of the things I'm trying to use for myself just in personal work, everything is just kind of time management. Um, you know, I've kind of taken on a lot of things. I really like having responsibility and kind of like, you know, finding ways to make those processes work. And sometimes you have to make sure that you're managing your time properly, that, you know, you're constantly kind of hierarchy, right? Like what's most important right, right now. And, if you feel like you're someone who has struggled with that and you're trying to find maybe a simple process, whether it's inside service monster or like you said, just a whiteboard with some sticky notes, yep, this is something you can do to visually kind of keep track of those things. Those projects and whatnot. Yep. Yeah. I, I take that for granted as an engineer because we just juggle 50 million things as part of our job. Yeah, project management within a general business. This is going back to kind of the Vistage thing, the difference between service monster and everybody else in the room. Yesterday's guest was an SOP specialist, and he was talking about triaging your pain points. You don't solve them, right? One of the guys asked, well, if you're going to have a conversation, a meeting about this stuff, well, why don't you just solve it? The seven things are important. And my answer is, well, how the hell, if you got 30 things, how do you know which seven are important until you've done the triage, until you've looked at it? Spent two to five minutes understanding the pain point, doing an analysis, and then trying to determine, is this a design issue? Is this something the company hasn't clearly defined in a workable SOP? Okay, well, if that's true, fine. Is it a uh, training issue? Does the people not know where to find the SOP? Or are they not following it because it's not written in a way that makes sense for them? Okay, no, no, that's not true. Everybody's trained. They know how to find the SOP. Okay, then it's enforcement. Why aren't you following the SOP um, or the procedure? And so being able just to triage and take a you know 30 or 40 items that you're working on, that the company's working on, and then put them in their various stages. Is this a, a big now or is this a big later? Is this a small now or small later? So yep. using those kind of four metrics, you're able to identify what things your company should be focused on. As your company grows... You should be doing less and less of the work. Your job is to delegate the work. And this is a a lot of people, especially people who have a lot of pride in their work, something that I had to get over. Um, I can't teach it if I'm not doing it. Well, okay. I've been writing code for 20 years. Does that mean I still have to do it every single day in order to keep up with these guys? No. Do I have to train myself regularly because code is kind of unique? Yes. But if I'm a carpet cleaner and I've been doing it for 20 years, Getting off the truck for the betterment of the company is a thing, and you should be working more on those manager things. And when you're talking about time management, one thing that they brought up yesterday was, as an executive, you better have two hours of your day not plan for anything, or you're not going to get everything you want done done. We get interrupted 90 million times. I, you know, I've... I don't know, probably a dozen times today, someone knocked on my door. Yeah, no, you've had a lot of conversations today. And, you know, that's just the way it goes. Um, And so making sure you're allocating your time properly, that you're triaging what the business should be working on, that you're delegating those tasks and that you're following the movement of those tasks. I think a whiteboard Kanban board is a brilliant way to handle those things. 
And so, uh, yeah, no, I would strongly encourage that. Yeah. That's all I got today, Joe. Cool. Thanks, Adam. And thank you guys for your continued attention. Thanks to the smug users for everything you provide there and the self-help. That was pretty amazing to witness this week. Until next time, be safe, and uh, we'll see you on the flip side. Take care.